Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Dallas Mavericks podcast staying in LA after the Mavericks Game 7 season-ending defeat. I'm Tim Cato. I'm right here, still in my LA hotel room. I don't even know how much we need to talk about that Game 7. There there kind of is only so much to say. You know, I, I think I think it w- it's more that it's reflective of, of the season at large. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the game a little bit. We're just gonna we're just gonna talk. We're gonna talk. We've got the gang with us. We've got uh, Mike and Mike and Dave. You know them. How are you, Mike? Doing well, Tim. How are how's the sunshine? How's my former homeland of Los Angeles doing? No sun, no sun today. Um, but we don't have rain, so well, I guess we have one pouring thing up rain on, on Dallas and that. It's regard. pouring rain here in Dallas, so you made the right move to stay out there for a bit. I I said after, uh, I said after yeah. the game on Twitter <laughs> that I was going to go to the beach today. I think I may have to push that to tomorrow. Damn, but I'm excited. Take that expo line, man. Go to Santa Monica. Get out there. Thank you, Mike. That's good advice, as always. This is why you're an editor. Yeah, man. But Game 7, let's talk about that as, as much as we need to. It didn't strike me as a situation where they messed up this game. They were never really in the game. The role players regressed a bit in the same way that we've talked about all season. The team's asking a bit too much of them, and it shows up. You know, they they were in the opening games. They played beyond really what would be expected of them, and so you're probably going to get a regression where, yeah, you expected a little bit more from Tim Hardaway, and you expected or at least hoped that Maxi Kleba would be able to hit shots in in the final few games of the series. Um, you hoped Brunson would be able to, but. Because you weren't, you know, like you you got those overperformances, and so I, I just don't think it's a surprise that the game played out like it did. Luca, Luca was incredible. I mean, my God, I mean he's he had I think it's fair to say a legendary, you know, game seven performance by by game seven standards. It created seventy seven points, which I believe is the most ever in a in a game seven from one player. But when he scores, you know, twenty nine points and and has seven rebounds in the first half, and the and the team's still down by eight, and then just doesn't have the juice in the second half, what what are you going to do? I mean, this 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 was not the game that lost the series. It literally was, but figuratively, you know, they they missed their chances earlier this series, and then they just weren't as good. 
And and I think that that echoes a lot of what we've said repeatedly on this podcast. Even game six, I think the Mavericks, you know, should look back at that with a few more regrets than than anything that happened in game seven, which was just an exhausted, tired team playing 36 hours after. Um, I'm just not so worried about what happened, you know, on, on Sunday or, or that it reflects anything about the team that that we didn't know or that it represented anything other than, you know, the flaws that we've been over and over and over and over again on this podcast. I mean, they are who we thought they were. And they were lucky, I think, to be in the position to even go seven, right? Like th- this is a series that the role players really did play out of their mind. I think Luca had a spectacular series and ran out of gas a couple of times at the end of games. And, you know, clearly that's something to address in the summer. But overall, man, they wound up, I thought, looking better in the playoffs than they had any right to when you consider how the season went for him and how rough it looked at times, especially shooting the ball. I mean, this was just, hopefully they don't think that they've solved the shooting issues that they have because they need shooters. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. <laughs> you know, um, but but I think that, you know, you have to say, wow, this was a successful seven game, you know, and out for us because we got a good taste of what we could be and what we could have if we can fill some of these voids that we've got. But you know, the Clippers were just a more talented team all season long and and just ultimately became too much. I mean, look, Reggie Jackson being able to do what he did because of the attention that defenses pay, pay to Kawhi and Paul George is a classic sort of, oh, man, you know, if you're the Mavericks, like you can sit there and you can look, oh, this is what it looks like when you have another guy who can carry the load. Now they have two guys who can create looks and then you're – your role player, your Reggie Jackson, is only going to take wide open shots. Now imagine if Dallas could have replicated that and had, you know, two guys kind of sharing the ball a little bit more and and both guys with the ability to cook. I, I think that that should be their takeaway. Look at how much easier the Clippers had it. What do we need to do to get there? Clippers never really looked flustered, I thought. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's, the end of this series, I tweeted yesterday, but if going into this series, if you said the Mavericks are going to lose a close series in seven against this team, that's a good outcome, right? It hurts because of how they got to this outcome because they did have chances to finish this off and they didn't. But the outcome itself is not bad given what this roster is. And I think even if you go back further, going into the season, what did they do last year? They lost this team in six. I think a reasonable expectation before the season even started, before all the weirdness of this year began i think reasonable expectation was win a first round series you play a better version of the team you played last year you have a weird weird year top to bottom covid outbreak winter storm Doncic doesn't show up in you know in peak shape to the start of the season porzingis gets knee surgery at a bad timeline because he thinks the season is starting later through all of this you finish one game short of what that good outcome at least in my mind would have been it's a good year but you know like you said i mean it's pretty glaring that a Reggie Jackson who gets picked off the scrap heap is making opportunities and a Jalen Brunson who was dependent on and had great moments this year and played well in the first two games. By the end of this series, Rick is looking to Trey Burke to bail him out of some of these minutes because he doesn't trust Jalen anymore. Is that the right call? Is that fair to Jalen? I don't know. But just the fact that your coach is sitting there and doesn't feel good enough about what you could do in this matchup to depend on you. And he's going to a guy who 
barely plays and isn't the answer at all. It shows you how threadbare the roster really was. You know, I I think that you can't really knock it. Overall, he had a pretty good series, right? Well, and if, I mean, yeah, but also like, look. Luca didn't have the injury for, for game three for, for clarification. But I mean, it was the normal sub pattern. I hadn't, I like, obviously looking back, it was a wrong call, but I, I don't have huge issues with it. It's, I mean, it's, yeah. Ultimately, if you lose the series, because when you're up two nothing and have a huge lead in game three on your home floor, you subbed out your best dude. And that's what set the chain reaction off. That means you're not that good. I'm sorry, but that if that's what loses you this series, you probably didn't deserve to win this series. That means that you were playing a roster that was better than yours. And that's what that's what the Mavericks were playing. I, I, I think Cuban was smart to immediately come out and sort of squash any talk of a coaching change before it got any legs. Um, I'm of the mind that you're not going to do much better than Rick Carlisle as a tactician, even if he's not perfect. He's still one of the best out there. Uh, good on him for nipping that in the bud. The trade-off is once you do that, once you immediately, an hour after the game is over, say, nope, we're not changing the coach, then there's only one place that everybody's going to start looking, and that's the front office. And now all eyes, I mean, everybody knew this was a crucial offseason before, but given what we just discussed about how it's not the coaching that lost in the series, and it's not your best player who lost you the series, and your owner is coming out right away and not letting any cloud cover go by about it could be the coach or the best player, now everybody's going to start firing laser beams at the front office and saying, all right, what are you going to do to fix this? I, I did think it was a little bit weird that he, you know, I, I think Mark Cuban definitely wants Carlisle to say, but I thought it was a little weird. He was like, unless somebody so, 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 so much better comes along or, you know, you're not going to replace them. It, it just a kind of weird out. Um, I don't, I, I don't guess, really have any like, bigger who thoughts. Who would that, that even but, be? Right, right, right. Like, I, I think, <laughs> I think he just meant, I, I'm pretty sure he just meant it as a point of like, Hey, he's one of the best. Like, why would we change one of the best? Um, I, I think that's the way I read it more than I'm giving myself an out for actually replacing him later on. But it was interesting, at least it was an interesting, you know, choice of of wording. And you know, uh, we we you know, I heard that from him as as well. Um, you know, even McMahon, Tim McMahon was the was the person who got that and tweeted it out first. And and, and props to him. But but yeah, you know, <coughs> Mark was saying the same thing um, uh, around. Uh, at least to a couple of different reporters. So, you know, like it was, it was a consistent uh, through line and, and of kind of what he was thinking. Um, let's, let's play, let's play a hypothetical real quick. We, we said that this team could have won a first round series. I said this, I thought this, you know, coming into this year and even as the year progressed, they were still good enough with Luca when the role players were working that, you know, if things broke right for them, they could have won a first round series. I think we look at the Clippers series now that it's over and say, yeah, they could have won that series. You know, if things are just a little bit different, if the Clippers don't have the, you know, don't rise back up to the occasion, don't have the mental fortitude to to fight through that 2-0 deficit. Yeah, they could have won that series. Uh, could they have won another series, you know, if, if the if the cards have broken differently? Um, I'm asking you, Dave, especially since you're a little more NBA focused. Like, do you think this team, now that you've seen what Denver did in the first round and you've seen what the Mavericks did, you think they had a chance at Denver? Do you think they could have knocked off the the hobbled Lakers? I think, you know, that's an interesting question. Um, the Lakers, for sure, their, their injury issues, their lack of ability to score the ball at all. You know, I, I think that the Lakers would have been an easier first-round opponent for them. The Nuggets, I don't, I'm just not sure. I, I think the Nuggets are, are really, really good. I mean, the Nuggets would have been my pick to win the title had Jamal Murray not gone down. Um, and, and, of course, <laughs> they're dealing with their own guard troubles, but – I think that they're good enough um, 
at, at scoring that they can hang with the, the Mavs. Uh, it it is just kind of tough. Like they they probably drew the worst matchup for them as far as uh, just scoring goes. Like they they struggled. I thought to to really disrupt what the Clippers wanted to do, especially in Game Seven. Right? Like just felt like all those jumpers finally started to fall, and they were getting good looks the whole time. It's just you know, and Reggie Jackson knocked down a lot of them. Um, but the shooting the shooting really was a problem for them, I thought. And then if they hadn't had the hot shooting themselves, this series doesn't go seven. So and the Clippers neutralized. At, right. The Clippers, the Clippers did neutralized. In the games they yeah, so they neutralized Jalen Brunson, who had mm-hmm. was pretty good with really difficult shots in the first two games. And then as it happens in the NBA, you know, he regressed and and we were worried about that. We were worried about what he would look like. They Almost never played, you know, once they got Zubach off the court, they never played traditional pick and roll coverage against Luka. So there's another thing. Now, Luka cooked it anyway. He was great. He was fantastic. But, you know, the fact that they could switch everything he did did wear him down, I think. I think that was a contributing factor is that every single time he was going up against an athletic wing defender. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They neutralized Porzingis to a degree. You know, Porzingis was you know, limited to the spot up player. Um, I think that we, we can actually, let's talk about that right now. Like what, what do we think of KP series as a whole? Uh, you know, I, I talked about, you know, coming into game seven that they needed to get a more three point looks, but I was also talking to, and, and he missed all of them, but, but I was also talking about how they, he needed more of those cuts for dunks. And he had like three of them in game seven and he hit a few mid range shots. And I thought it was a, a decent game. You know, I, I couldn't promise you he's on the team next season, uh, I, I don't know for sure, you know, that that type of stuff obviously is the Mavericks are good at making sure it doesn't leak, uh, you know, but they they clearly have at least, you know, considered it. And I, I just don't know if he's yeah, I just don't know. I, I mean, there's like two ideas of of of, you know, trades that potentially could happen, you know, in, in a speculatory sense, you know, maybe maybe an Andrew Wiggins, maybe a Kimball Walker. Um, I, I don't know if those make the team better. Uh, I, I do know that you know the team's probably considering them, but his series was was weird. And you know, I, I am glad for his sake that at least he gets to go out on a game seven note where it's not an entire fan base, you know, yelling at him for for not showing up. But it, the truth is that he wasn't good enough the series, and and I, he's not good enough to be the second star on this team. Or is yeah, he? I, th- I mean, like I, I just don't think I think the defense specifically falling off is is what limits him from doing that even if you really to were to workshop what his offensive game is about and emphasize the things he does well and de-emphasize you know the post-ups mostly i think if he's here next year and obviously it's a massive if uh i think everybody involved owes it to themselves to look in the mirror and ask are we doing what we can to maximize this dude from him to the training staff to the coaching staff we talked about this piece you know episode or two ago a lot of it, I really feel like a big part of what, if you want to believe in Christoph Porzingis that he could still be everything you want him to be here, a big part of your case is 
This will be the first time he's healthy going into an offseason, insofar as we know him to be healthy, right? No catastrophic injury he needs surgery for that we know of right now. The first time he will have a normal offseason where he can actually train with the team, train himself, not be recovering from a knee surgery, and the team and the coaching staff can hopefully map up some plan. You know, we talk all the time about you don't bank on this guy to play 82 regular season games and then go to the postseason. Well, put something in action, right? Don't just randomly pull them, you know, willy-nilly. And I'm not saying they did that this year, but really try as much as you can to map out some sort of schedule for he's going to set out this back-to-back in this game. He's going to not work this night this much to try and maximize him to have a better workload, have a better health throughout the season. I also think a lot of this comes down to schematic. You know, I, I think if there is something you've got to ask yourself if you're Rick Carlisle, it's are you really doing everything you can to make this guy work for you offensively? Are, where are the pick and rolls? Where are the pick and pops? Where, I mean, yesterday we saw some off the dribble action from KP for the first time all series and he hit a couple of mid-rangers. Can you do more of that? I get not trying to overhaul your scheme in the middle of the playoffs, right? If you are comfortable with this is what I know Porzingis could get me this year, you're not going to throw that all out the window and try new stuff in this series against that team. But going in the offseason, you got to start asking just like, can we maximize this health? It also is, what can we do to maximize him schematically and in the flow of the offense? I, I think... That's ultimately that point is ultimately why he will be around next year. My guess Um, that and I don't know what the market for him looks like, but I think giving a one more year where it's a little bit more of a normal year. I mean, this is this is a guy. I mean, how many practices has Kristaps even had in the last two seasons? I I have no idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so how, how much time would be if I had the number just right now? I, it, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, right? But it's probably less than 20 practices, team it's, practices. I think it's it's definitely more than it's more than that. I mean, he's had I, I agree. D- this season has been bad for that. Um, I mean, he missed a he training did. camp completely, right? Like he didn't have one right. this year. He didn't have one the previous year. He was healthy for the training season or sorry for the training camp coming into, you know, the first season he was healthy. Yeah, the first. No, no, but but last season. Didn't he have the knee that yeah. held him out of training camp? Maybe I'm mistaken here. I mean, no, you know, there's no, a lot no, of knee no, no, injuries no. with Chris. No, that but was he the was ACL. coming off that the ACL, just... right? I mean, he hadn't right. played in 18 months. So that's right. not, even if you have time to get ready, that's not a normal, oh, he's you know right in the flow of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yes, your, your broader point stands. I'm, I'm, I'm just being yeah. particular with I just think there's a, it's a time, there's a time component here as well. And, and, you know, we talked about this last season with the Clippers, and they were never healthy. They were never all together. I, I'm not saying that that's – completely the issue here but maybe that's part of it you know maybe they just need a little bit more time to figure it out tinker around and part of this is going to be about you know unfortunately Przingis just recovering from all these injuries and you know as as you mentioned Mike like actually being able to have a healthy offseason to do normal offseason conditioning and training and then start a season you know with everybody else instead of 10 paces behind it's the best you can hope for, right? And and right. maybe that does inform their decision making, right? If if the names are Kemba Walker and Andrew Wiggins, uh, and you could argue the merits of it, and certainly you figure there's gonna be more components involved, it wouldn't be a straight spot. But if you're the Mavericks and you're sitting there going, you know what, I'm not wild about this whole package coming back versus what we'd send out. It you know if it's fifty fifty, well maybe you you err on the side of hey we haven't even had the full year to look at him yet we haven't had the real normal year insofar as we can ever get a normal year out of this guy with his body being what it is we've never had the closest chance we've had to try it 
Maybe we should go one more year and see. Because how much lower can the value actually get, right? The calculus isn't, you know, for me, it's there is more upside to him staying versus downside on a trade market front. It is really just if you, he stays and it doesn't work again and Luca gets angry, you know, that wouldn't prevent him from signing an extension off the rookie deal. But it factors into the longer term calculus because everything in this organization now revolves around what do you do to keep Luka Doncic here for the next 10 to 15 years? The the one that gives that that makes me slightly optimistic is the way he played defense the last few games. You know he was so bad defensively. Uh, what was it? Game games one and two he was bad. Games three he was horrendous. Uh, games game four he was better. And then I thought in the last three he was a a plus defender. You know, but him not being a a dominant shot blocker, I think that changes the equation. Him not being a a elite shooter. I also changes the equation. His his wide open percentages have never been, you know, the sparkling forty five fifty percent. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna make every other shot he gets if he's wide open. He gets a lot of wide open threes, and and you know, you guys have seen this, yeah. and he misses a lot of them. You know, he is a, you know, his his shooting is is in large part fueled by these these open looks. Even though he can get it off whenever he wants, he can shoot over people. He can make contested shots. He looks like a shooter. And I think that that him him appearing like a shooter, looking like a shooter, him having a track record of hitting a lot of con- good contested shots, you know, that all contributes to the idea that you know we thought he was he was you know this this unicorn type player. And I think those are the two areas. You know, the defense has slipped, and that that concerns me, especially with his body type, his health, all that stuff. And and then the shooting, you know, like if he can have a a full season where he's forty percent from three that changes the type of player he can be. And I think he could be, you know, that that's that's when he's actually getting to that 7-3 Clay Thompson we talk about. Because I think that is his... I still but think I just that's don't think he's he that guy. Best. Yeah, I don't, I don't... Like, he hasn't shown He's not it. a like, unicorn. He's just a big white horse. <laughs> <laughs> he's a mare. But I think even if he... Even if he does start hitting the shots, you're not paying him to be premium Brook Lopez. He needs to be able to create some of his own looks. That, that There needs to be that... Production versus to, impact, right? Yeah, well, he, that's the thing. If he, you're an elite shooter, you're Clay Thompson. Like that, that is creating your own looks. Like, yeah, I mean, what that's I, what I I'm guess, saying. Let me he's not like, that good of a shooter, he, and he's mm-hmm. not going to be. And, and there was there was a rep that he could be. He's. He, it looks very clear to me that he's not going to be that guy. Right. Well, I guess let me rephrase. Even if he is doing that, there has to be at least some threat of the off the dribble, like we saw yesterday. It doesn't have to be all the time, but just enough to where the defense has to respect it because. A large part of why they were where they were, it wasn't just guys missing open shots. It was that other than Hardaway, who else was dependable on the floor who could create a look if the shot clock breaks down? If they're switching all over Luca and they, you know, Luca can't do something, clock ticks down, what are you going to do? It's either Hardaway tries to do something, and Tim Hardaway shouldn't be the second guy on a championship team doing that. Or it's nothing. And that's where Porzingis has to give you at least the threat of something. It can't just be a spot up shooter and a def- you know and a post player. The jumbo three and D version of that. He's got to be able to do something on his own. And we've seen that he can do that. Uh so what's holding it back? I don't think we really know, but there has to be some more of that next year. If he's here. I still hope he is for all these reasons. You know, I watched the historic offense and I saw that he contributed, you know, he was a driving motivating factor probably the biggest factor behind that team having the best spacing in nba history and thus the best offense in nba history so 
it's so hard to give up on something that is unique. You're not going to go find that somewhere else in the NBA. Um, now, you may just need to go change the style of the team a bit. Maybe maybe it can't quite be you know spread, pick and roll every single possession around Luka Doncic, which has, has kind of been the team's hope. And, and that's been the identity that they were working towards. And maybe you have to pivot from that if if you decide Porzingis can't be that player because you're not going to one for one like for like replace him or you know with with a player or or replace the idea of what Porzingis was supposed to be you know you're certainly not going to replace that guy either um and that's really what you have to replace so i don't know it's it's a it's a tough situation for the Mavericks obviously i mean that's 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 both a nothing statement and you know i think really does point to just how much will hinge on this offseason that's coming and how significant it is and how much it matters for, you know, how this how this team plays out. You know, I, I think that last offseason or particularly the 2019 offseason could have been, you know, a offseason we look back on said, oh, that was the most important math season. Look at how it um look at how it set up the team on this path towards becoming contenders. But they didn't they didn't really do anything. And the one big move that that they made last season, the the trade for Richardson just didn't work at all and i also think richardson's a better player than that but i mean something you said earlier dave when he when he stuck with boban like he had to not you know i thought i thought he stuck with boban too long but i also like Mm -hmm. i I don't know what other five some he would have put out there my my mid game idea was to put richardson into the starting lineup and he was worse in the in the final three games than he was in the first four and he wasn't that good in the first four and so I don't I don't know what it is that 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 remains odd to me just how miserable he was this year you know it, it, he ended up having career averages around where they were but it just you know both he did not pass the eye test and there was an idea that coming into this system you know he'd elevate areas of his game and and more of his best from different seasons would all be meshed into one and it just wasn't there, you know. Like he's a guy at this point who could opt in, who who may should opt in, and if he does, the Mavericks probably just trade him, you know. Like I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm less confident Richardson is on the team next year than than Porzingis for sure, with the way you know the seasons went. Oh, I mean, what it ultimately comes down to, uh, you know, you brought up how little turnover there's been in personnel from the 2019 season through now. But just in a bigger sense, you can go back to his rookie year. It was obvious by the All-Star break that this team, other than Luka Doncic, anything not nailed down could be moved, right? That was the one player on the whole roster he said, there's no way we trade him. And there are some good pieces here. But you are still in the boat where every single person who is not Luka Doncic can and should be traded into the right deal. And if you have gotten this far and you still haven't identified even a second guy who you're like, yep, that's indispensable. That guy is going to be here when we're really trying to win. I mean, it's. I guess it's a you know credit to Doncic that they have looked as threatening as they have, but it also shows you how far they have to go. That there's not even the second guy here where you're like, yes, this is for sure the supporting cast. So, would you guys resign Hardaway? Yeah. Oh yeah, I would yeah. for sure. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Tim Hardaway is a guy that it, it just he always shows up. Right. You never have to wonder where he is. He he's always showing up, and I think that you need that guy. He's gonna get. Some money. <laughs> that, well, yeah, I mean, I've been asked this a bunch. What do you What do you think he gets? Twenty more. Yeah. 
You know, I was, I mean, I was thinking four for eighty four. So four for eighty. Four for 80. Yeah, maybe four for eighty four. I mean, he's just he's also hitting free agency at the perfect time. There's just nobody out there, and he he he's one of the best players available. And I think if you're Dallas, not only can you not lose him, but you got to give him. You got to make sure he knows. Hey, I'm a starter here. I'm I'm gonna be a starter here. I think that's gonna be important. Um, this thing where he you know he was coming off the bench, just like this guy has been your second best player all season. And I understand you want to juice those bench lineups a little bit, but it's the playoffs. But just let him play. Carlisle talked all season about how you know I ran into Hardaway and he was totally fine with it. It was whatever I want, coach. Sure. I don't know how true that is. I I do know Hardaway wanted to start. Um, yeah. He may. I don't know how he embraced his bench role per se. I know what Carlisle said. I do know he wanted to start, and I think that he is is in a you know better headspace. And he you know we we saw it two seasons ago where he came off the bench for thirteen games, and then when he started, he looked completely different, just completely changed as a player, um, just and changed that season you know in in, in big ways. I mean, I guess the the offense was already going, but you know that that just that just cranked it up to to the to the nth degree, and. You know, credit to him that when he was coming off the bench, his performances mostly looked the same this season. But I, I definitely, he's definitely a guy who wants to start, and I agree. You know, like if you're going to pay out money, you're paying out money for him to be the starter on this team. He's a ceiling raiser, and he's one of yeah. like two that they've got, and that's the thing, right? Like, so Jalen Brunson to me is a perfect floor raiser. You know, you are going to be at this level with him, and he's great in that role, but. Tim Hardaway is the only other ceiling raiser on this team. Porzingis aside, because he's just such a question mark to me all the time, right? But you yeah. can't let Tim Hardaway go. There's just no replacing him on the market. And you don't have that guy internally. And you didn't draft uh, Bain, and you didn't draft Bay. You didn't draft any of the NBA-ready wings. I don't know what you do in year two if you or you know next year if you lose Tim Hardaway this summer. Right. I mean, not only that, but we talked about this. This team already has too few players in any capacity that are good that you can rely on. You need to add talent. You need to come out of this right. offseason. You can't let Tim Hardaway go and then you're searching for two guys, you know, because they're probably realistically, this offseason's a failure if you don't add at least one player of some impactful value. So if you're letting Tim Hardaway go, that means you got to get two. Are you really going to be able to do that in this market? I'm skeptical. So bring him back. You know what he does. Everything Dave said is is pretty much accurate. If he's going to get paid, and okay, that's that's where you're at. Good news. You know, the 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 benefit of paying someone is that you found someone worth paying. He is worth right. giving the bag to. You just got to do it. I, I you know, and Tim, you brought up Kemba Walker earlier. People should think about what Kemba has looked like this season, in particular, playing off the ball from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's not been great. And I understand that, like, theoretically, a, a point guard who can shoot playing next to Luka makes a lot of sense. But I just don't know if Kemba is the guy, and especially now, you know, at this stage of his career. I don't know if Kemba is the guy, but they need a guy, another guy. You're exactly right, I, I think the I think the hope is that it's Kemba and Marcus Smart or something something like that. And again, sure. when I, I brought up those and, and I said, you know, when, when we speculate, I'm, I'm like speculating with – 
Mike, you know, and and editors yeah, yeah. at the Athletic. Of course, you know, this is I. I just I you know I hear I hear Zach Lowe. I hear all the all the big names be like, please don't aggregate this. I, I just figured I'd do due diligence and be like, you know, I'm not I'm not out here saying that. You know, Danny Ainge texted me yesterday and said, you know, you know, you know, would be a nice fit. Um, just well, he's retired, so yeah. Brad Stevens swinging for the fences in his yeah. first move. Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's why that's what Ainge would be texting me and just be speculation because right. now he's retired. He's just he's just you know he's just, he's just blowing up the phone lines, leaking. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We're, How do you guys see. feel? Like just generally, like looking ahead to the summer. What assets do they have that they can use in a trade? Even right, like I'm trying to figure out how. What's the path to a trade? So you well, got some draft I mean, picks, but like, well, who, so, like from so a player standpoint, you know, are are any of the young guys on the roster? Do you think that they're listening? Really. Yeah, much excited. I mean, no. now I mean, you know, on the roster, you want Luca on the roster next year. I think you want to bring Josh. Ba- uh, sorry, Hardaway back. Uh-huh. You want Dorian Finney-Smith. You want Jalen Brunson. After that, um, you're not. I think you want Maxi, but, but he's just making a lot of money. Yeah, I think Maxi's tradable now. Mm-hmm. I mean, couched with the idea that he wasn't healthy this series, but this is two series in a row where when they needed him to make shots, he wasn't able to do it, and when they needed him to actually be a defensive impact player, he wasn't able to do it. He, he was a little better, better defensively in last year's series. Um, obviously, they're also asking a ridiculous thing from him. But I just think generally over the past few seasons, we've seen his defense decline a little bit from the really spa- splashy, unique player he was in his first few seasons in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, you you know, look, if they if the right deal comes along and somebody's asking about a Dorian Finney-Smith, it's a valuable piece on the deal he's on with the skills he has, right? There are, there are things you can move, but again... If the goal is to add talent without further thinning an already thin roster, what can you do? I mean, they need, uh, you know, they drafted three players last year. They probably need one of them to be in the rotation, at least a peripheral capacity next year. You know, you need Josh Green to do something. I don't think anybody knows, and I don't think it's our place, you know, with Tyrell Terry, personal reasons, has not played for a while. I don't think it's anybody's place to pry to what that is. But Tyrell Terry. He's on the bench. Oh, he's back. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tyrell Terry, obviously the body wasn't ready to come out of college. Everybody talked about how the shooting was. This team needs shooting. So if Tyrell Terry can take a jump this offseason, you can play him a little bit. Great. Tyler Bay, somebody who, you know, I know our Sam Vecini, who I trust for all draft matters, thought maybe they overdrafted a bit, but had a good pedigree. Early second round type guy. A little Dorian Finney-Smith starter kit to him. Somebody's get, One of these three dudes has to play next year. That, there's no two ways about it. If you because that's the most draft capital they're going to have, barring something unforeseen for a little while. It's okay if they're not playing in year one. You know, it's tough to know what to expect from rookies. Just because Sadiq Bay and just because Des Bain play on teams that are worse than this one doesn't mean that Dallas failed by taking who they did. But by year two, somebody's got to be in this rotation. I don't know who. Yeah, I mean, might not even matter which one, but somebody's got to. You want Terry to take the Trey Burke minutes, and you want Bay to take the Nicolo Melli and James Johnson minutes. Like this isn't a huge ass. I agree. Like fringe rotation is is kind of where is kind of where you're at with this team. I think, and and what you're thinking about for those those rookies. But yeah, they they need him to hit. It's you know they they have so much 
so much talent and in, in room and in, in and holes to fill on the top of the roster. Like they need the bottom of the roster to just kind of work itself out um, organically. Like that is the the best situation you can be in, and that's what you banked on when you had three picks that, that are you know just about as high as you're going to have for for a while. And I think that will be telling because there are two things this organization does super well. One is they make trades that you don't expect that they can pull off. They've done that for years. The second thing they do very well is they take people off of other other organizations' scrap heaps and they turn them into useful, useful rotation cogs. What they don't do as much is do that with their own draft picks. So if these picks don't hit, that isn't to say that maybe Rick doesn't pull another rabbit out of his hat and find the latest, you know, you could literally go back 15 years of this Brandon Bass or the latest Brandon Wright, right? But it does say something about how much you should trust the organization in the front office going forward. If they're drafting these players and everybody liked those players in draft night, I didn't hear anybody say that Dallas had a bad haul. You might quibble with, oh, I would have taken Bay over Green. But when, but no, I mean, but when you come out of this, Tyrell Terry, everybody loved that pick, right? That was a pick that people were pretty excited about at that spot. You get a, a wing who is in the same glut roughly as those two dudes in Aaron Neesmith. If you can't develop any of them, even if you're developing other guys on the lower end of this roster, if you're not developing your picks, that starts the whole, can this team draft well or not conversation up again? Because they got a reprieve for years. That was the conversation. Then they hit on Doncic and Brunson in the second round. It's the grand slam of a draft, right? That bought them a little time. But if you have three picks in the top, what, what was Bay, the 35th pick? Top 35, you don't hit on any, and you don't get any of them in the rotation. Then it start, it's fair to start asking, okay, well, maybe you didn't turn the corner with that, you know, Doncic Brunson draft. That was just the anomaly, and this is who you are. Well, are especially when so many guys were named Brandon. <laughs> so many Brandons. Are you we guys ready? Look. You guys are ready for Austin Rivers, right? Austin <laughs> oh, Rivers is just, boy. he was, he <laughs> is just designed in a lab to play for Rick Carlisle and the Dallas Mavericks. That I'm calling that. Um, at least it's a guy who you know is going to get those shots up, right? Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I will say this. The 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 damning part about the draft is just there were so many guys in this draft that wound up being in a rotation in their rookie year. And this is a team that needed, in particular, a rotation wing. If they could have just lucked into one, and and it wouldn't even have taken luck to grab one of the guys that was just NBA-ready. And, you know, Sadiq Bey was just so obviously an NBA-ready wing. Um, you know, he came from Villanova. It's just what they do. They make NBA players. And, and yeah, certainly he may not, have, you know, have the the ceiling of, of Tyler Bey. I don't know. But Sadiq Bey today is a better player. I, I mean, he would have played big minutes in this series, I think. So I, I do think that's the part... <laughs> That's a little bit damning. It's not so much that these guys or whether or not they pan out or can play next year. It's just that when you look around and you say, wow, we could have had that guy. And not only that, but you can see how he's going to be useful on this team for the next, you know, four five, six years. You know, a three and D wing is always going to be useful next to Luka Doncic. So, yeah, I mean, you know my position on this. I, I like yeah, the yeah. upside of green. I think well, we're just rehashing. We're just rehashing stuff that we've been talking about for months. Yeah, ultimately. Right. Let's here here. Let's let's close this out and by by asking, with the Clipper series done and over, you know how how did that make you feel? Like like I'm just curious now now that that series is done, it's it was it was up and down emotions in terms of what we were thinking and the and the way players reacted and, but 
did it change anything? I'll go first. I mean, for me, it didn't. I think that they they pretty much performed the way we expected. They just hit a lot more shots. Um, and we knew it, they could. You know, we knew right. that was possible from this team. It's what we talked about all year, right? They were they were missing shots that early on that they should have been making. And then when they would get hot, you could see, okay, this is what this offense is supposed to look like. And I still right. felt like they were almost a man down for most of the year, just with Porzingis's up and down uh, play and throughout the was, season. And COVID was rough. Like that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think overall kind of wound up looking about the way I expected. And I don't think that we learned anything in the last month that we didn't already know. Yeah, on a macro level, I agree. I could point to some small things like, sure, you know, is Dory the progress Dory Finney Smith made as an open three point shooter? Is that by the way? I would not trade that guy. Like on the nope. money he is, I gotta I, keep him. I, I, know I, you I said- would. I'm, I'm not saying you necessarily should look to. I'm saying if by some act of God they find themselves in a Brad Beal conversation and they're saying, yeah, we want Dorian on that deal, well then, yeah, put him on a plane to Washington. Short of that, you know, the point is simply that there is no other guy besides Luca that you would never ever trade. And right. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, there's, like I was saying, there's some micro things like is Dorian's, what do we make of Dorian Finney-Smith open three-point shooter? I have more questions about that now than I did going into this series. Uh, Jalen Brunson, I don't know, but big picture, I picked I, I picked the Clippers in six because I just didn't think this roster could hang with them. And they played better than I thought they would. And Luca somehow was even better than I think we reasonably could have expected. And we already expected a lot, but it's the same deal. It's, it's the roster. You know, you have the star, you have a coach who is good enough. Uh, you gotta you gotta figure the rest out, and whatever you gotta do to get there, do those things. Any closing? I mean, well, that's, Tim, that's, Tim that's, what do you think? It up. Yeah, I was gonna say you, you cover I mean, the team. Oh, damn! I guess I do. I guess I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess what I was trying to think with the series is like, is it is it good this series happened for the Mavericks? Is it bad that it happened? Like, is, is there another, if you could go back and pick a different, you know, path without necessarily knowing where a different path would lead, you know, whether it's a different playoff opponent or, you know, a, a higher seating or, or whatever it is. And, and just say, I'd, I'd rather go down this path now. I think the one they, they ended up down going down is, is fine. I mean, I think losing to this team in this manner, um, just really defines and shows what needs to be better. Um, but it also defines and shows what this team, you know, that this team is not that far. Like they're not close, but they're not like there's pieces here that you can see coming together in the right moments at the right times when everything is clicking. You've got Luca, you know, and I think this series showed that, that, you know, it's not crazy for Luca to look at this team and say, I want to win. I want to compete for titles and you guys should get me there. We're not like, eons away from this we're not we're not a valley away from it you guys need to get me there because we can get there but i can't do it you know myself like if that's if i'm luka Doncic, that's what i'm looking at this series and this team and saying i've i've got us you know i've raised our ceiling to the level it is and i've done y'all a huge favor by just being this good and being on this team (laughs) And that's how the that's how the front office, that's how the team, that's how Mark Cuban, that's how everybody should view it. And and they've gotta they've gotta cash in on on their own side of the bargain. 
And so I think I think that's where we are with with the with the 2020 2021 Dallas Mavericks, their season now over, in memoriam. I think I think that's that's the parting thought I have the the closing the closeout idea of what this team needs to do and and how they should be feeling as as they head into the future. So how's that? How's that, Mike? That was good. Your editor approves. Okay. Congratulations. Nice, <laughs> nice. All right, guys. Well. Let's uh let's end this. Uh, yeah, we're still gonna do pods here and there. Uh, we'll, let's let's do it next week. Let's do it next week and talk a little bit. You know, I think I think we'll have things to talk about. It won't be weekly. Um, over the summer and off season, we've got beaches to go to, but we'll be back. We'll be back in your ears here and there sooner than later. Um, I think next week for sure. So appreciate you guys hopping on. This was fun. It's been a fun season. Enjoyed talking to y'all. And we'll see you guys soon. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four time MVP.